Blog Talk Radio. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's going on, folks? My Take Radio, episode 41, for Thursday, May 6, 2010. The intro music you just heard was Street Fighter II, Frets of Fury, by Vertex Guy, V-E-R-T-E-X-G-U-Y. You can get that at any of the other intro music that we've used in previous broadcasts at ocremix.org. The calling number, the call-in number as always, I should say, is 347-324-3541. Again, that number is 347 347- Three two four three five four one. A little housekeeping first, as always. Um, the ads, self-explanatory. You know what the deal is. Stop in, show your support. Click an ad. Leave it at that. Uh, the forums are actually really active as of late. There's a lot of great discussions going on, including our semi-official slash unofficial uh, Super Street Fighter Four tournament. If you are a Street Fighter enthusiast, please stop by the forums and join in on the conversation and even join in on the tournament that has a prize to the winner. Stop in and check that out. Of course, it's mytakeradio.com slash forums. Also, of course, new posts have been put up. you got a trailer from Machete that's up. You have a post from my fiancé about the Ultimate Fighter. You have the Red Dead, the Red Dead Redemption Contest posted by Slick and a ton of other posts. Of course, if you're on Facebook, you can check out the Facebook fan page for some of those posts as well as interact with myself and other listeners. So if you're on Facebook, head over to the My Take Radio Facebook fan page. Show your support. We're at 127 fans right now. Uh, My goal is to hit 150 by my 30th birthday. Uh, That would be next month, by the way. So uh, 150, tell your friends, tell your mama, tell your grandmama, your parole officer, Anybody who's into any of the stuff that we discuss can stop by the fan page and show your support. Uh, with that said, uh, here's a rundown of some of tonight's topics. Uh, the Tito Ortiz and Jenna Jameson saga, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, the fallout from Strike Force Nashville, we're going to talk about that. UFC 113, which is this Saturday, we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're also going to discuss Strike Force. Uh, Lesnar versus Carwin, definitely want to talk a little about that. Um, Bubba the Love Sponge versus Awesome Kong, the battle continues. There's a ton of stuff to talk about regarding that, as well as some audio that I'd like to share with you guys. Um, also, we're going to discuss this week's, well, this upcoming week's Raw's Get Raw Guest Host, the TNA announcement, uh, your video game and movie news as well, as well as your calls. First off, let's talk a little MMA first. Of course, this weekend is UFC 113 with Shogun versus Machida as the main event. Um, definitely looking forward to the card. A lot of people are kind of sleeping on it just because 
that you know either they don't like Machida or they don't like the overall presentation of the card. Uh, personally, I feel that it's going to be a great card from start to finish, and those guys, all of them, have a lot to offer, especially considering that you have a title fight as well as the next contender for George St. Pierre in the Semtex Daily versus Koscheck fight. Overall, I think it's a solid card. If you haven't ordered it, I recommend you do. I think just with Daly and Koscheck, Machida and Shogun and Kimbo Slice and Matt Mitrione alone should get you to order that. Of course, Patrick Cote will be fighting Alan Belcher and Jeremy Stevens is going to be fighting Sam Stout. A solid card from start to finish. If you got pay-per-view and you haven't checked out a UFC event, this is a great chance to do so. Um, I will be ordering it and watching it with the misses. Um, maybe Slick will stop through and watch it with us. We'll see how that goes, his schedule permitting, and we'll give a breakdown on it during next week's broadcast. Um, a couple of my fight picks. First off, of course, uh, Machida versus Shogun. I'm defi- I want to go with Shogun. The guy has great Muay Thai, uh, great stand-up. He just a, a vicious attack. As soon as the, that bell rings, he comes in there. And not for nothing, he put a lot of damage on Machida in their first fight. And I have a feeling that this fight will be no different. Of course, you have to be wary of Machida's unorthodox fighting style, which has proven a problem for numerous uh, for numerous opponents in the past. So definitely, I'm picking Shogun for this. I, I like the way he fights. I like his presentation. I mean, don't get me wrong. Machida's a, a, a great fighter and a good champion, but... Shogun definitely did expose a couple of holes in his game in their last fight, so I'm definitely going with Shogun. Um, Paul Daly versus Josh Koscheck is going to be for the number one contendership to fight George St. Pierre. There's also rumors that the winner will be a coach on the next Ultimate Fighter. Overall, definitely going to be an awesome fight. You have great stand-up from Paul Daly. The guy has knockout power. Uh, Koscheck is no slouch in the knockout department either. Of course, Josh Koscheck's wrestling is going to be the deciding factor because if he takes it to the ground, um, I don't think Daly's been tested on the ground enough to warrant him being the victor on a, on a purely ground-based fight. But in terms of stand-up, Koscheck has gone on record as saying that he will stand with Paul Daly just to prove a point, you know, just because he's reckless like that, he feels. Um, I think it's very dangerous for him to stand with Daly. Um, I'm picking Daly to get the KO just because Koscheck is going to go in there and try and have the bigger set of balls, and he may get KO'd in the process. Kimbo and Matt Mitrione. I like Mitrione. He's, uh, he's a very lovable meathead from the Ultimate Fighter. I think that Kimbo is ready to just come in there and make a statement. Um, he's talking about how he's improved his submission game, and you know he's evolved as a fighter. We're going to find out if that's true, and since I'm such a huge fan of Kimbo, I definitely want to pick him for this fight. I know people who give me shit just because he's not, you know, he's just coming into the sport. But the guy, his um, his appearance on The Ultimate Fighter made me a fan. He was humble. He was respectful of, of the other fighters, respectful of the organization. And he was a sponge. He was in there. He was listening. He was trying to learn. He was willing to listen to criticism and be coached. These are things, these are, you know, great, great factors that make a great fighter, and I think Kimbo's evolving nicely. Uh, Mitrione's no slouch, don't get me wrong. Um, it's just going to be a matter of, has Kimbo improved, or is, is Mitrione the guy that has a solution for the Kimbo slice stand-up attack? We're going to find out. 
Uh, Patrick Cote makes his return to the octagon against Alan Belcher. I like Belcher. He's a, he's a great fighter. It's always exciting to watch. He gives a real kick-ass performance every time, but Cote has the advantage, especially being in Canada. It's, it's going to be a problem, and I definitely am picking Cote. He's hungry. He's motivated, and he may go in there and possibly get a fight of the night honors, just in my opinion. Uh, Jeremy Stevens versus Sam Stout. I'm going with Stout on that. Um, it's not going to be an easy fight because Stevens isn't a pushover, but I like Stout. He's a cool dude, and he, his fights are exciting also. So those are my picks for UFC 113. Um, of course, UFC 114 is going to be coming up right after that. It's going to be May 29th, and um, the card itself is just, you know, the main event with Rashad versus Rampage. you got Bisping versus Dan Miller, Todd Duffy versus Mike Russo, John Hathaway and Diego Sanchez, Gong Yen Kim and Amir Sadala, and uh, Efrain Escudero and Dan Lazan. Um, Forrest Griffin was supposed to be fighting Antonio Ruggiero Nogueira, but it seems that Forrest suffered a shoulder injury, and he will be replaced by Jason Brills, who's 3-1 and one in the UFC right now to fight uh, Little Nog. Personally, I think uh, Brills is a good fighter. He's 3-1 and one in the UFC. He's got an 18-2 and two MMA record, but um, Nogueira's no slouch, man. I mean, he's 1-0 right now, but he's 18-3 and three professionally, and I think he may just go in there and run through this guy, but MMA is the sport where anything can happen, so I'm not, I'm not going to go too crazy with it, but I'm definitely going to look forward to seeing that for sure. Um, in some Jenna Jameson and Tito Ortiz news, of course, they're looking to reconcile. Everybody's, you know, retracting all the negative things they said about each other. Tito was actually spotted going back into his house now that the temporary restraining order has lapsed. As such, I mean, I really hope they work it out. It's a real fucked up situation, especially for Tito being in the spotlight. It's a bit of a, it puts also some negative press on the UFC, obviously, but Overall, it seems they're moving in the right direction. Hopefully, they can resolve whatever fucking crazy issues they got going on. And, um, they, you know, they can do it for their kids. You know, any, any relationship with children should always be worked out just because you end up hurting the kids in the end. So, you know, kudos for Tito to be the guy that's willing to work it out, even though she pretty much got him locked up. But we'll see how that plays out. Sheridog is reporting that the Tennessee Athletic Commission is going to be uh, filing six complaints in response to that brawl that happened at the Strike Force event in Nashville involving Mayhem, as well as Nick Diaz, Gilbert Melendez, and Jake Shields. Uh, Nate Diaz wasn't cited just because he wasn't a licensed corner man. Um, it can go really bad for these guys because there could be a license suspension um, from the Tennessee Athletic Commission or a fine and or a fine of two hundred and fifty thousand um, dollars. As such. Given the investigation, Mayhem Miller was supposed to be fighting at Strike Force Los Angeles on June 16th, um, but it turns out that Miller was pulled, and instead of facing Robbie Lawler, uh, Robbie Lawler will be fighting Renato Babalu Sabral. Nick Diaz is going to be fighting in Dream, uh, at Dream 14 on May 29th against Hayato Sakurai, just because that event is, being, is taking place in Japan. I definitely think that this is not doing any favors for Strike Force right now, just how it's going down. The fact is that um, I like Mayhem Miller. Like I said, there were, there were good and bad reasons that it went down the way it went down, but hopefully these guys have learned from it, and as such, Strike Force implements new uh, security measures to keep incidents like this from happening and ruining their broadcast. Um, Strike Force also took the opportunity this week to announce that Fedor will be returning to competition finally against Fabricio Verdum um, on June 26th at the, uh, at, um, on Showtime. 
And, you know, of course, M1 Global will be co-promoting with Strikeforce, a.k.a. sticking their hand in Strikeforce's pocket and taking their money. Nonetheless, I'm excited to see Fedor fight. Fedor is always that, that one dude that you can go in there and expect a great performance from him um, until he gets to the UFC. It's, it's one of those things. Uh, it's a matter of when are these fights going to get done and when is he going to get to the UFC. So definitely... Um, if you have Showtime, check out Strike Force June 26. You won't be disappointed. Um, Fedor is always exciting to watch. Uh, the UFC also took the opportunity and announced UFC 116. Lesnar versus Carwin is official. The show is set for July 3rd at the MGM Grand in Vegas. Um, that's going to be Brock Lesnar's return to the Octagon, and he's going to defend his belt against the undefeated Shane Carwin. They were supposed to fight back, of course, in UFC 106 in November, then UFC 108 in January, but... Lesnar was fighting diverticulitis at the time. He's ready to go, um, looking monstrous as always, and Shane Carwin is no joke either. They're going to fight to unify the heavyweight title. It's, it's going to be fantastic. Brock Lesnar is, uh, like I said, love him or hate him. The guy's a fantastic athlete, uh, great wrestler. Carwin's no slouch on the wrestling either. They got devastating stand-up, the two of them. This, somebody's getting hurt in this fight, period. There's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's a matter of who's getting knocked out viciously because that's how it's going to go. There's not going to be any, any mat classics, and if there are, they're going to be unlimited. It's just going to be a stand-and-trade affair, and it's going to be awesome to watch. Also for that card, Yoshihiro Akiyama is going to be fighting against Vanderlei Silva. Definitely want to see that. Stefan Bonner and Christoph Szczynski are going to have a rematch. Uh, there's a rumored fight between Kurt Pellegrino and George Sotteropoulos and Czech Congo was supposed to be fighting Roy Nelson. There's a rumor going around that Congo is injured and that Roy Nelson will be fighting Frank Mir. Um, definitely looking forward to seeing Roy Nelson fight Frank Mir, especially uh, since Roy Nelson beat Mir, I believe it was, in a uh, jiu-jitsu competition. I believe it was last year. So we're going to definitely find out if big country can take care of Frank Mir. We're going to find that out on the 3rd of July. Also, um, it seems that Christian Cyborg Santos will also be fighting at the Strikeforce event on June 26th. Um, no opponent has been named. It seems the Strikeforce CEO, Scott Coker, has said that they're looking towards Europe for competition. Cyborg, of course, being the women's champion for Strikeforce, is also going to be on the card with Fedor, um, and his rationale was simple. If you're going to have the number one male fighter in the world, you might as well have the number one female fighter in the world fighting on the same night. Um, I think one of the things that I enjoyed most about Cyborg is the fact that her stand-up is very solid. Um, when I was reading this article, there were a lot of negative comments regarding women, women's, fuck, excuse me, women's MMA. I'm a little uh, slurred because I took some pain medication for my back, so if I do slur my words, I apologize for that. Nonetheless, um, uh, women, women's MMA to me is a great thing to watch, not because it's considered a quote-unquote sideshow. I think the fact of the matter is that these women go in there and they beat the shit out of each other just as legitimately as the men do. The fact of the matter is that most of the time, yeah, there's, there's a bit of sloppy fighting going on, but you know what? There's just as many sloppy male fights, and the fact of the matter is that if these women want to go in there and beat the shit out of each other, why, why can't they? So the, some of the negative comments that I was reading at the time were just really fucked up. So I just wanted to say that little blurb there. Um, during the UFC 113 press conference today, Dana White did confirm that Koscheck 
the winner of Kostrak and Daly, will be fighting on George St. Pierre next and also be coaching against St. Pierre during the Ultimate Fighter Season 12. Uh, the Ultimate Fighter Season 12 coaches will be announced following the Q&A session for UFC 113. Also, during the press conference, they had a couple of questions for Dana White about UFC expansion. Um, some of the other countries that they're looking at, Dana White responded with the following. Our model is to go in and give you great television, the right television and the right event. Um, they're looking at China, India, and South Korea. Those are the three countries we're, focused, we're focused on next. We're, we're going everywhere. We're taking this thing all over the world. We're working on some really cool and really big things for now. Um, when asked about the Ultimate Fighter going international, he said that they are working on an international Ultimate Fighter, and if things go the way they're going right now, the second one is probably going to be in Canada next year. Um, in regards to doing international Ultimate Fighter shows, he says that they are trying to work on that. They're also working on doing expansion into Mexico as well. So definitely big things from the UFC. Um, UFC News World Little Light. I definitely want to talk about this week's Ultimate Fighter before we move on. Overall, this week's Ultimate Fighter was great, but the injuries just keep mounting, especially for Team Ortiz as well as the losses. A lot of the fighters were complaining that team that Tito was overtraining those guys. Personally, I think that Tito's training is, is fantastic. Like I always say, he's a great coach, a great mentor, and a great teacher. And some of those guys just, they, they I guess they felt that they were getting burned out. Nonetheless, Tito did a, a great job training these guys, and some of these guys, though, they, they're just getting injured. Still, we haven't found out why Tito's not fighting Chuck. I'm hoping it gets revealed in the next episode because the suspense is killing me. Uh, the middleweight elimination fight was with Nick Ring from Team Ortiz fighting Court McGee from, t from Team Liddell. Um, definitely a solid fight from both guys. A lot of people were saying that Court McGee should have won the fight. I think that Court McGee definitely was the, the aggressor. Uh, Nick Ring did, he, he did do more work in the first round, but the second was Court McGee doing all the damage. I would have personally rather have gone to sudden victory and do, done a third round just to get a decisive winner. Um, Nick Ring ended up winning by majority decision. Chuck Liddell didn't handle it too well. He uh, it was beefing with Dana White about it. And, of course, in next week's promo, they talked a little bit about Nick Ring having an injury. They're also going to be uh, the final elimination fight is going to happen, and the wild card fight is going to be announced. So that's what's going to happen next week. Again, hopefully they will announce what happened with Tito Ortiz. We'll see where it goes from there. Nonetheless, we're going to get into some wrestling news right after this message. What if it's on tonight, even? Tonight at 10 on your local news. I said to Jesus, Jesus, can you save me? This is the deal of the century, people. I'm telling you. So, Jason, uh, what, what, I mean, what, what are we doing tonight, tumbling with Tumbleweed, Tuesday nights at 10 p.m.? blogtalkradio.com Eastern Standard Time. Do you even know? Jason? Jason, are you there? Hey, this is Rachel from MMA Hot Stuff, and you're listening to My Take Radio. All right, and we're back. Crazy wrestling news to start. Of course, a couple of shows back, we were discussing um, Awesome Kong whooping Bubba the Love Sponge's ass. Uh, backstage after some disparaging remarks made by Mr. Love Sponge about the situation in Haiti. As such, Awesome Kong was taken off of TNA for the time being, after which she was released from her contract. 
Awesome Kong went on to start performing at Ring of Honor, and Bubba the Love Sponge remained, remained employed with TNA, at which point he was put with the band, um, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Six Pac, or as I like to call them, the Old Siders. Um, he was put with them, and they, um, he served as their mouthpiece. He definitely garnered a lot of heat. There was definitely a lot of hate um, towards Bubba the Love Sponge. A lot of fans just couldn't stand him. Um, to the local Florida residents, of course, they all love him. He's a, he's a local celeb down there. But to the general wrestling public, they couldn't stand him. Nonetheless, this week it was announced that effective immediately, TNA Wrestling has elected to terminate the services of Todd Clem. Yes, Bubba the Love Sponge's real name is Todd Clem. Now, the reasoning for this was because of an interview that Awesome Kong did on a show recently that Bubba the Love Sponge interrupted, and it seemed that this was all set up to have him confront her on the air. It didn't happen face-to-face, but it did happen over the phone, and I do have the audio from that, and I want you guys to listen to it, and after listening to it, decide if Bubba the Love Sponge deserved to be fired from TNA because of this. Check it out. Are you going to be truthful and talk about how you fell down on the ground and started having a, a fake hysterical uh, uh, meltdown? A fake hysterical meltdown? Yeah, and that everybody had to come rushing to you, and you uh, then tried to uh, cover your ass by accosting somebody by acting like you were having a breakdown? Uh, now, acting like I was having a breakdown? I don't know about that. I was very upset. I uh, I, I, so in, so I was in, very upset. So, indeed, did you... uh? Did you indeed hit the ground immediately, and uh, and then Vince Russo and everybody had to come to asking what was going on, and then you just started crying and crying and crying hysterically? Uh, crying and crying hysterically. I don't know. I was very very upset, and I wanted to be left alone. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know. I knew that I I didn't want to be. There was a lot of emotion going on when you know that this isn't the workplace that you knew. Uh, TNA, when I got TNA, everyone was a family, and TNA had a beating heart. Uh, that day that I got on the set, everything had changed around, including including the set. And things were just different and much more abrasive. And people were a lot more paranoid. The air in the air was just that of now, nervousness. How about, how about the lawsuit that you filed? By the way, this is Bubba. How you doing, Kia? And uh, how about the lawsuit that you supposedly filed? Where's that at right now? Where do we stand with that? Well, uh, hello, Mr. Tom Sledge. Uh, I never filed a lawsuit on you, as you well know. Uh, no, I know, you know that, I, I did. I, I, no, I know that your lawyer said a lot of disparaging things about me, saying that I uh, you know, would, would have called you. I don't, I, you know, I don't even know you. Uh, I didn't know who you were until you made an ass out of yourself. I know that you're a fake bitch, though, and that you didn't have a problem with meeting me that time or that minute, I should okay, say, with, with Hogan. If, if this is what you want to do, you can come and meet me at 401 Harbor Place Drive, where I'm moving right now. We can sell this at face-to-face. Oh, I, you know, that's what, we, that's, what we tried, that's what we tried to do. But you're a, we tried to settle it face-to-face, but you, wouldn't get your, but you wouldn't get your ass to the radio station like a little, like a little pussy bitch that you are. No, you come to me. We had you set all up to come here today, and you pushed out like the big, fake, black bitch that you are. Oh, oh, come see me. 
and that you're colorblind. How colorblind are you, bitch? I'll tell you you're not very colorblind because you know what? All you do is feel sorry for yourself. How about the time at O'Hare Airport when you not, sit, when you sit in front of Abraham Lincoln and say, oh, Abraham Lincoln, I thought that you cured slavery. Oh, slavery's still alive and kicking. Woe's me. Feel sorry for me. I'm doing independence now for 50 bucks a night selling Polaroids for $5. You dumb bitch. This is not what I signed up for. Hold on. Hold on. I'm, try, I'm trying to get to the... I want because you're a coward. You're a oh, coward. Oh, sweetheart, sweetheart, you don't know me. Then come see me. Won't you? Uh, you know what? No, come, come to come my. Come see me. I gave you the address. Come, come to my studio tomorrow. Radio show. Why don't you come to my studio tomorrow? Come see me. Why don't we sanction something then, and then we can give the proceeds to Haiti? To Haiti. And we'll make it a shoot. And you know what? what and, and I'll tell you. No, you know what? I'll tell you what. You, you be the one to collect the money. You know what you can do. You know what you can do. Oh, you kidding my black ass. Now you're turning Nell Carter on me, bitch? You stupid bitch. I'll kick your oh, ass. I'll tell you that right now. You know what? You're so stupid. You know what? Let me tell you something. Black ass? I thought she was colorblind. And, uh, and, and, for, and for all you fans out there, me and Cal have, have been dancing for two days. Yeah. We love each other. Uh, I'd, I'd mouth kiss him right now if I had. No. Oh, hey, D, no way. <laughs> man, our plan almost came through. It's because oh. I've been waiting in the in the back room here. Ready, so frustrated. Ready to come in and have that very same conversation with her in person. Uh, and you can see what I'm dealing with here. I mean, she's a complete compulsive liar. First uh, of all. Yeah, I mean, I, the, I'm asking her these questions, and uh, Bubba's giving me, like on the side, tell me whether or not these things are true or not true. And uh, but you should. We should just take a whole camera crew and go right down to her apartment and beat her up right well, there. I don't want to. I don't want to go on her. I don't want to go down to the hood with with all her with all you know. Because then now I'm now coming to a. Right. I want to sanction something. I want to say you know what. We'll have Rob Khan or an MMA or boxing or wrestling in a sanctioned license event. Uh, and you know what? I don't want to. I don't want to control any dollars. Every, you know what? Anybody, right. anybody can. You know, we'll charge admission, and I'll send every effing dollar to Haiti. All right. So after listening to that, folks, do you think that Bubba the Love Sponge deserves to be fired from TNA? Telephone number 347-324-3541. I definitely want to hear just from you guys before I give my spin on this. For the simple fact that the remarks that he made, many people were considering, considered them to be incendiary remarks, and that was a factor to his termination from TNA. Nonetheless, you can call in and share your thoughts. It's 347-324-3541. The fact of the matter is, Bubba the Love Sponge, look, I don't like the guy. I don't. I've never liked this presentation. As a New Yorker, I'm a fan of ONA. I even like Howard Stern to an extent. I've always felt that Bubba the Love Sponge used his relationship with Hulk Hogan and his clout um, to, so quote-unquote, latch himself or to use this term to sponge off of Hulk Hogan's fame just the same to sponge off of Howard Stern. I think that he's a... Decent radio personality. He seems like he's a, a pretty cool guy, but sometimes it's really that his mouth writes checks that his ass can't cash, period. The fact of the matter is he's out there, you know, he said disparaging remarks about Haiti on his show. Awesome Kong definitely shouldn't have fucked him up because, of course, that's not helping the situation. 
but should have definitely addressed it differently. But he, being an employee for a company such as TNA and being out there, those views automatically get associated with your product. It's, you know, it's like if I make disparaging remarks on this show, which I have, and some, some are definitely more crass than others, and I try and go into something else, there's definitely going to be that preconceived notion in the, back of, in the back of people's minds that, hey, man, this guy can say some really fucked up shit. The, the fact is that it's unfortunate that it went down the way it went down, but I'm going to take some calls, and then I'm going to give you a little bit of what Bubba the Love Sponge has said after his firing. Let's take the first call, and it looks like Slick is number one on this one. Slick, you're on the air. What's up, man? What's going on? What do you got? Yeah, with uh, the whole thing with Bubba and the... Uh, I mean, is this one thing to just have it out with, with Awesome Kong and... That's what he really should have aimed for. The whole throwing it back on Haiti is, is mainly what gets his ass fired because, I mean, the Haitian community is huge, and the the backup for the Haitian community in the whole situation is even even larger. I mean, people came out of the woodwork for Haiti after the after the earthquake, and acting like a dick about it is not going to keep you employed. In, in any kind of public forum. I mean, okay, all right. Not not to cut you off, but check this out. Did you feel that him calling her a black bitch was grounds for him to get fired? We'll start with that. Uh, I mean, it's... See, it's see because it's a, it's a slippery slope now. You see what I'm saying? Because you're, you're bringing race into it because... You're calling her. You're you're referencing color. He would have just said you're a bitch. We could have just let it slide, but he he used the term black bitch, and we'll start with that. Go ahead. I'll say by itself probably not, but then if you notice after the call ended, he made a couple of other comments that kind of went on top of that, and all together with all of that, I would say yeah. Okay. Now, in, in referencing uh, Nell Carter, because he, he said, don't be getting on Nell Carter on me now. Thoughts? I'm still trying Same? to figure out what the fuck that means. But well, I mean, because she, she, was sassy, she was sassy in her delivery. You know, that, I, I took it as him being like, oh, don't get all sassy like you're Nell Carter. You know what I mean? How, how do you, being African-American, for those that don't know, Slick, Slick is black. Don't don't let the soft voice fool you. The fact of the matter is, as such, if I, if we were having an argument and I called you a black bastard, how would you take that? Would you feel racially offended or just overall angry? Because I want to go a little deeper just to, in terms of him getting fired. And, you know, with the race car, it's like, it's, it's difficult for me. I mean, being black, it all usually depends on who it's coming from. Honestly, from you, being Latino, I would say no. Right. I guess if it was coming from a white person, probably yes. And th that, I admit, in itself is fucked up. But the whole thing is fucked up. See what I'm saying? And that's why it was funny that you called, and I ended up bringing you on first, because I wanted 
just somebody, for, you know, and, and, and not to use it just applicable to you, but just somebody from, from a similar demographic, from a similar racial background. Because for me to, for me to sit here and say, ah, but I love Sponge is a, is a punk motherfucker and blah, 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 and he went all racist. No. The, the fact of the matter is he got fired, and I wanted to go into the firing, and I wanted to run it by you guys just to see if this was stuff that would, should get you terminated. Now, there's other things that went into it, and his response is definitely not, not um, uh, accepting of the fact that he got terminated, but I definitely am glad that you, you called in to, to share that. Yeah, I just want to say that, like, I can't pick out, like, an individual thing that would have gotten him fired other than the whole Haiti thing. That by itself can get you fired in under the circumstances. But when you put that whole, you know, that snippet of the call of the, the show he was on, when you put everything he said in there together, I mean, if if TNA didn't fire him, they they would be stupid. There you go. All right. Fair enough. All right, dude. All right. Uh, Thanks for the you call. Got a helmet, you got a helmet coming on after. You got it. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. All right. DH. Bubba's a douche. There's no uh -huh. He's a douchebag. Colossal. He's well, you're there. you're a Florida you're a Florida resident, so for those of us up up north, please enlighten us as a Florida resident about Bubba the Love Sponge's um, influence on on the Florida community. Uh, he has his voice. He, okay, he's Howard. He's similar to Howard Stern, except well, people actually like Howard Stern. Ah, okay. Imagine it like that. But I mean, I've listened to Bubba before, and he. He's just full of himself. He loves always hearing his voice, being the being the honcho, being I'm Bubba Love Sponge. You're an idiot. I'm better than this guy. I'm better than that guy. I'm cool. You suck. Da 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 da. And he's all about attention, being a jackass. Yeah, this firing thing probably well deserved. He'll find a way to make more attention and bring it back. And he's just a jerk. If you ever listen to any of his stuff, you're going to be like, what is your problem, guy? You live yeah, in I've heard that. You're white, you you have all of this, and you're just a colossal dickwad? This can't be just an act. True. Well, it gets better, trust me, but I'm, I'm glad you called, especially because you're a Florida resident, because... I was I was hoping somebody from Florida would call that's familiar with his work because I, I've heard his stuff on satellite, you know, uh, on on Stern's channel and like I said, he's 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 fine and I'm not shitting on him as a radio personality. I just don't like his presentation, but it's good to hear from a Florida resident how they feel about him. Yeah, I mean, he he ran for gosh, what was it? He ran like Tampa mayor or something like that, and big publicity stunt. He got DC just because he was who he was. Ah, nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it gets better. Trust me. I, I'll I'll fill you in. I'll fill you guys in right after I I I, uh, I let you go. But um, I appreciate that, man. Thanks for the uh, little education on Bubba's Florida influence. Yeah. Hey, sure thing, Thanks. man. 
Thanks, man. Peace. All right, peace. All right. So, shortly after Bubba was released from TNA, he went to Twitter with the following response. And before I, I, I read his response, I have to tell you that when Hulk Hogan was on his show last and they were discussing this situation, Hulk Hogan told him to take the high road. I don't think him booby-trapping this interview with Awesome Kong was taking the high road. And the following commentary that I'm going to tell you guys about is definitely not taking the high road. Here we go. He tweeted the following, following his TNA termination. I was going to take the high road, but it looks like TNA has fired the first shot. Bubba Army, let your feelings known now. Let at TNA Dixie, which is Dixie Carter's Twitter account, um, she based her firing on anti-Bubba tweets. Bubba Army, you guys are simply the best. Nobody could ask for better fans. TNA fans are nothing but a bunch of little cowardly, and they bleeped out what he said. You love oiled up men in tights. You are all douche nozzles that think wrestling is real. Get a fucking life and go away. Your entire life is pointless. The, the, I guess this was his response to people's tweets. Your entire life is pointless. Go back to screwing your sister and watching TNA, you white trash simpleton. Awesome Kong tweeted something regarding the situation, and it, all it said was, Confucius says karma is a bitch named Kong. That was her response. It gets better. Monday morning, Bubba took to the airwaves on his radio show, and he discussed a couple of things. Uh, first off, he said that... Um, Here's, here's some of the following things. In regards to his following from TNA, Bubba said that it was because he was racially insensitive for calling Awesome Kong a dumb black bitch. I knew that was coming. Bubba asked how that was racial when TNA has a character called the Black Pope, but which, which is half true. D'Angelo De Niro calls himself the Pope, not the Black Pope. He only uses that in, in, a, in referring to himself. TNA has never referred to him under that nickname, which is true. They also have a, an openly gay character throwing milk on himself as if it was sperm. See Orlando Jordan. Also, Chelsea dry-humping the Pope. They have a wrestler called Black Machismo, and then they have a wrestler named Awesome, awesome Khan. These were his, uh, this was his rationale for him being called racially insensitive. First off, like I said, D'Angelo De Niro doesn't call himself the Black Pope. He is called the Pope. Orlando Jordan's character is meant to be controversial. If he chooses to acknowledge the fact that he's bisexual, he, he's okay with it. Uh, Chelsea dry-humping the, the, the Pope. Nobody cares because the, the TV is rated accordingly. Black machismo is just in reference to Macho Man. And not only that, it's acknowledging that the character is African-American. Again, if the wrestler was offended, I doubt he would want to be called Black Machismo. Also, Awesome Kong is just a play on what she originally called herself, which was the Amazing Kong. And as such, TNA wanted to own the rights to a different name and gave her the moniker Awesome Kong. She referred to herself as Kong. It wasn't the company. Nonetheless, Bubba continued with saying that Dixie Carter sent him an email regarding the firing and that there was discussion of having a zero tolerance for racial insensitivity. He said that Dixie has advertisers, investors, and the board to answer to. His response to that, nobody watches TNA. While wondering why he got fired for what he did on the radio, he noted that it was not on TNA programming and suggested that Awesome Kong and her fans organize Bubba's firing from TNA. 
During the segment, Bubba called Dixie a mark and wondered if Dixie listened to the Cowhead Show segment because Dixie makes most, makes most of her decisions from marks. For those of you that don't know, marks is another word for wrestling fans. He talked about how she uses the Internet to make decisions and even wondered if Vince McMahon listened to the Internet to make decisions. Bubba then said that TNA is run like Marks and suggested that Vince Russo, Eric Bischoff, Hulk Hogan, and or Ed Ferrara should run the wrestling product. Um, anything else of note? He also said that his relationship with Hulk Hogan is now changed given the fact that they want Hulk Hogan to probably distance himself from Bubba. So that's definitely going to impact their, their friendship. The fact of the matter is that he, is, he has not mobilized the quote-unquote Bubba army to deal with the firing, but said that a modern-day war is going on. Bubba then read the number of emails that attacked him and were glad that he got fired from TNA. I, look, I, I can read the rest of this, but the fact of the matter is that he said he's not going to miss the crap that is TNA, but he met a lot of great people there. Um, of course, uh, Bubba took calls from listeners, and most of them were supportive of Bubba's position. They said they only watched TNA because of Bubba. One of the callers said to watch the ratings drop now that Bubba's gone. Really, he was on TV for three seconds, possibly four. It, you know, it, it's crazy the, 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 the way that, that this all went down. I mean, two wrongs don't make a right. Bubba's commentary on Haiti, especially after being involved with TNA, was inappropriate and Awesome Kong whooping his ass wasn't the best solution either. fact of the matter is, it went the way it went, and I figured I would share that with you guys. So it seems that things are getting really crazy in TNA. TNA also took the opportunity to announce this week on Impact a quote-unquote special announcement that they were going to be moving back to Thursday nights beginning May 13th. Their show is going to air at 9 o'clock. Spike TV will also be airing TNA Reaction, which will be airing 8 o'clock right before Impact. Uh, the shows on Thursdays will be taped. There are no plans currently to do live shows. And there will be occasional Monday night specials in the future, but they won't happen for quite some time. Uh, credit goes to PW Insider for that nugget of information. The fact of the matter is, TNA moved to Thursdays, not so much because of the fans, as Dixie Carter said in her promo. It was because they were getting murdered by Monday Night Raw. They were being murdered by the NBA playoffs. And when Monday Night Football comes around, they would have gotten even murdered. They would have gotten murdered even more so just because you can't stop that stuff. The fact of the matter is TNA is perfect in, on the Thursday night slot. They break up um, a week of wrestling perfectly with Raw on Monday, NXT on Tuesday, and SmackDown on Friday. You got UFC on Wednesday, which is great for Spike, and then TNA gets Thursday. Not a problem whatsoever. I think that they that they rushed to compete against the WWE, and it bit them in the ass. So I'm definitely happy that TNA will be moving back to Thursdays. Not only that, but it stops all those recording conflicts on my DVR. Um, in some WWE news, uh, Monday Night Raw will be hosted on Monday by Flavor Flav. Yeah, Flavor Flav is hosting Raw on Monday. I don't know if that's going to be really bad or really good. It's... Ugh. I don't know. It, it could be funny. We'll see. But as of right now, I'm really thinking it's not. Um, in other news, it seems that Times Square wasn't the only person that was victim to a bomb threat. Um, it seems that according to the Connecticut Post, 22-year-old Zavir Pagambari 
is in a lot of trouble because he's been calling WWE headquarters more than 20 times, threatening to blow up the company's offices and saying that he will visit the building with a machete and a machine gun. It seems that uh, Pagambari was upset because WWE released former WWE diva Mickey James. Pagambari was arrested on Friday and his lawyer simply described him as a fervent wrestling fan who did not intend to follow through on his threats. He was arrested on Friday and arraigned on Monday afternoon. He was charged with four counts of fourth-degree threatening, one count of second-degree harassment, and two counts of second-degree threatening. Uh, Judge William Wenzel told Pagambari that he could not contact WWE employees or go near its Stanford offices or attend their events. So the fact of the matter is, this guy, uh, you know, with all the crazy shit that's happening between, you know, 9-11 and terrorists, what do you think? You're going to call and threaten to blow up a corporate headquarters for a, for, for a, a large organization and that people are just going to let it slide? And who the hell is his, his dumbass lawyer that says that he was a wrestling fan that didn't intend to follow through on his threat? Does, does he know him personally? The fact of the matter is that unless there's, there's concrete proof that you can't do it, if, you, if somebody says to you, I'm going to blow something up, people especially with this day and age, are going to take that very seriously. So his lawyer is a jackass for assuming that, you know, he was just a fan and that he got carried away. And he's a jackass because over Mickey James, really? Of all things, I'm going to blow up the building because of Mickey James. Mickey James is, is a great wrestler. She's, a, she's, you know, she's a good, she was a good diva. She's a burgeoning country music star. But really, nobody gives that much of a fuck to threaten to blow up a fucking building. So whatever they do to him, they personally, I would just tie him to a pole and beat him with a wet sock. That, that's the kind of punishment you reserve for a jackass like this guy. So definitely uh, not something cool to see for sure. Uh, PW Insider reported that uh, the WWE Over the Limit pay-per-view has a new match added to it. As of right now, the matches are Jack Swagger versus The Big Show in a world title match, and John Cena versus Batista in a WWE title match. There's rumors going around that this will be Batista's last WWE event before separating himself from the company and, quote-unquote, going into acting. I don't know how legitimate that is, but that's where it seems to be going. Uh, The other match that was added is Randy Orton versus Edge. So, over the limit is shaping up to be an interesting pay-per-view. Definitely want to see the confrontation between Orton and Edge, especially given their history with rated RKO and you know I have a feeling there's going to be great mic work and definitely a a great feud overall nonetheless we're going to go into some video game and movie news right after this message hey everybody this is Donnie Anderson from Tumbling with Tumbleweed and I'm here with my daughter Sophia who has a very special message for all of you Sophie (gasps) listen to Tumbling with Tumbleweed or my daddy will kill you (laughs) I will Live Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Blog Talk Radio Network Alright, we're back Let's talk some video games First off, last week Of course, I went on a a tirade About the, the Black Wii And GameStop's cease and desist And Nintendo complaining and blah, 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 fucking blah. Well, guess what? The Black Week comes out May 9th. How about that? And Nintendo officially announced it. 
So May 9th, you can go and buy your affirmative action weed that will go on sale for $1.99. It's, it's the same price as the white console, but with the black Wii, you get more stuff. You get a copy of Wii Sports, you get Wii Sports Resort, and you get the Wii Motion Plus accessory as well. Uh, the white Wii will also have the same bundle starting May 9th with just a white console and controllers. So there you have it. The black Wii is official this week. Oh boy, the affirmative action Wii, the Wii, whatever you want to call it, it's out there. Go pick it up if you want your Wii to match all your other home theater components, or if you just want to be racially diverse and give, give your other components another, another black component to keep it company. You can do that May 9th, and it'll run you $199. Uh, for those of you that are fans of God of War, you can pick up the newest entry, but it will be only on the PSP. Uh, Kratos will be returning in a game called God of War, Ghost of Sparta. It's going to be taking place conveniently right after the original God of War, and it's going to uh, bridge the gap between that and the other God of War sequels. Um, it seems that no release date has been released yet, but they're giving the typical late 2010 response, and of course it'll be exclusive to the PSP. So if you're down with that, you can definitely pick yourself up a copy later on this year. Also, LucasArts, LucasArts announced on the 4th that they will be releasing Star Wars The Force Unleashed 2 on October 26th. You'll be able to pick that up on the 360, the PS3, the PSP, the DS, the Wii, the iPhone, and the PC. In other Nintendo news, Reggie recently announced that nearly 1 million users have participated in Netflix's streaming movie service since the March launch date. And considering that the Wii has already had 26 million systems installed amongst consumers, it's a big boost for Netflix because they get, um, you know, it's, it's added to their additional 14 million subscribers. So definitely a great thing for Netflix. Not so much for Nintendo because it's not something that's moving consoles, but it's, it's pretty cool that Netflix is getting a push as well. So definitely props to them for that. For those of you that are PC gamers, Blizzard recently announced that they will be including Facebook integration with StarCraft II Wings of Liberty when the game launches in July. The new feature is going to allow players to add Blizzard gamers who are friends on Facebook to their Battle.net friends list. Additional details will probably be out within the coming weeks, so for those of you that are fans of StarCraft, I'll be able to give you some information about that in the coming weeks. THQ recently announced some great financial results for them for the end of their fiscal year, which ended March 31st. Uh, THQ had a significant financial turnaround from last year. Uh, they reported a, a loss of $9 million, which is far better than the $431 million loss that they reported the last fiscal year. Uh, they had great success because of three major core franchises, UFC, MyTake Radio Friends, Darksiders, and Red Faction contributed to the significant turnaround. Of course, UFC 2010, comes out March 25th. Darksiders has a second game coming out. So definitely a great time to be a THQ employee and a great time to be a fan of UFC and Darksiders. Ubisoft announced that they will be doing a spin-off game from Assassin's Creed 2, which will be titled Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. The game will be coming out on the 360, the PS3, and the PC this fall. Um, Ezio is going to be the lead character, and he will be taking control of the Brotherhood of Assassins who intend to take on Rome and the Templar Knights directly. There is a new multiplayer mode that is rumored to be used 
with this upcoming game. So if you are a fan of the Assassin's Creed franchise, you'll be able to look forward to that in the fall. Um, in other Nintendo news, it seems that while they are selling a decent number of consoles, there's good news and there's bad news. Um, according to 1UP, the DS has now surpassed the Game Boy in regards to lifetime sales worldwide. Originally, the Game Boy sold 118,700,000 handhelds. As of, as of today, the DS has sold 128,890,000 handhelds. So the DS is now officially the, best port, the, the greatest portable system that Nintendo has ever sold. But the bad news is that even though the DS had record-breaking numbers, um, the DS sold 27 million units this year. That's a 12% drop from last year's, thir- well, it's a 12% drop from the 31 million units in 2008. Um, according to Kotaku, the Wii suffered the biggest hit. They had a 21% drop in sales over a year's time. From April 2008 to March 2009, Nintendo sold 25.9 million Wiis. While, Mar- while from April 2009 to March 2010, Wii sales were only at 20.5 million units. So it seems that, you know, the nostalgia of the Wii is wearing off besides the fact that there aren't that many first-party titles being available and the fact that most of the third-party titles that are coming out aren't really strong. It's, it's really rough right now for Nintendo. They really need to step their game up and start putting out more innovative titles. I mean, they got Metroid Other M coming out. They got Mario Galaxy 2 coming out. But again, these are all first-party primary titles. You need a couple of strong third-party titles to, to help move units. Software sales are down as well. Wii game sales fell 6% from 204 million units to 191 million units. DS sales increased from 197. I mean, they decreased from 197 to 151. That's a 23% drop. According to the projections that Nintendo put out, the projections for the next year have the Wii sales declining down to 18 million units, but the 3DS has DS sales going back up to 30 million units. One thing to note, however, is that this is Nintendo's third best year ever for sales. So while they are lower numbers, it is their best year ever. But you have to take into consideration, and this was something I was discussing with Josh earlier today. The fact of the matter is that there's a huge amount of portable systems on the market right now. And there's just not enough revenue out there for any of these systems to really um, grasp a dominant hold on portable gaming, especially now with the iPad, which sold a million units. That is going to have gaming. You have to also take into consideration that Nintendo, yeah, they are keeping all the overhead and they are keeping all the money because of first-party titles and hardware. But one thing you have to take into consideration is the fact that they're not churning out first-party titles on a consistent basis. You know, you have one first-party title that comes out in January, and you may not see another Nintendo first-party title of merit until June. That's a huge, huge, huge lag between first-party titles. And in addition to that, third-party titles that are coming out are not solid. They're not strong enough to make people say, I want to go and buy a Wii for this title. You know, GTA is not happening on the Wii and moving units. The Wii doesn't have that one IP like Xbox with Halo or PlayStation with Metal Gear. It doesn't have that one IP other than Mario that, that moves units. Yeah, you have Wii Sports. Yeah, you have Wii Fit. But the novelty of that stuff wears down. Don't get me wrong. I play Wii Sports and I play Wii Fit consistently. 
but the fact is that they don't they don't go down you know they just don't go into it enough to make the Wii a, a competent competitor on a, on a home console scale. They go out there and they sink all this money into the DS and they put out all this great technology and then you got the 3DS coming out, but that's it. Take into account, you have the PSP and the PSP Go on the Sony side. You have the iPhone, the iPad, the DS, the DSi, the DSi XL, and the 3DS. You have four different portable handhelds from Nintendo. Eventually, something is going to suffer. The fact of the matter is that Nintendo is really putting too many eggs in one basket in regards to portable sales. While the numbers are great and the revenue is fantastic, you have to take into account that the Wii is still out there. If you're not going to put enough revenue into the Wii to generate console sales, then either stop making home consoles or focus your energies on making the system better. It, it's crazy. The fact is that it's... I, I really feel bad for Nintendo because they have some great, some great talent, some really innovative minds. But the fact is that their system is hampered by by graphical by graphic um, by graphic capabilities. It's not a system that can churn out, you know, f- fucking at least 1080i or 720. You know, you're still getting 480p. Um, you don't get 5.1 surround sound. It's it's just a very um, lukewarm system. Fact of the matter is, I think my microwave has more power than the Wii does. And it's unfortunate because there's some really enjoyable titles on there. There's great casual gaming there. Um, I think Nintendo's just going to have to rethink their, their advertising and maybe go after old folks because old people love to play the Wii. Maybe you're going to have to go after that. You're going to have to go after old money instead of young money. I don't know, man, but this this drop in, in fiscal in fiscal numbers is definitely something to pay attention to for sure. Um, if you want to discuss that or any of the other stuff I've covered thus far, the number is three four seven three two four three five four one. Moving on, uh, the three sixty users once again just shilling the giant Halo machine. It seems that the Halo Reach beta, as of Monday, May third had 1,170,112 unique users playing, with 157,972,986 kills being recorded. Microsoft has gone on record as saying that this is the biggest console beta ever. To celebrate the numbers, Silver members are going to be able to try out Halo Reach for themselves from May 14th to May 17th. All you need to do is have a copy of Halo 3 ODST. The beta will run until May 19th. So, if you guys are tired of Halo, don't play the shit, because the more people are on there playing it, the more Halo that there is going to be. Epic Games' Cliff Vidush Blazinski announced today rumors that a Russian magazine was saying that games that they're putting out will not be made at 60 frames per second, preferring to get better-looking graphics on the screen. Our target is and shall remain 30 per- 30 frames per second, Blazinski confirmed. When asked about 60 frames, we always respond that we'd rather have the extra juice to put more on screen and stick with 30. Regarding rumors of decreased difficulty, a lot of people are saying that 60% of players did not finish Gears of War 2, according to estimates. Blazinski merely said that much of the article was poorly translated from Russian. Well, you have to take into consideration this. 60 frames per second for smoother gameplay or better-looking graphics. 
it poses an interesting question, and I figured I'd gauge the response of you guys, whether in the chat or calling in. Would you rather the game look better, or would you rather the game have, well, would you rather the game move better or have better-looking graphics? Which would you prefer? Would you prefer the better-looking graphics and possible, you know, possible detriments in terms of the game speed, or would you rather the game speed be on point and the graphics not be as strong? It was funny because when I was reading some of the commentary for this article, a lot of people were saying that they should be focusing more on the gameplay better than making the game look pretty. Gears of War is already an established franchise, so graphically, if it takes a bit of a hit and plays better at 60 frames per second, me personally, I would prefer the game speed to be better as opposed to having better-looking graphics. You know, it's all about enjoying the game and addressing the fact that sometimes you don't need it to look super pretty and just need it, just need it to be playable and enjoyable. So I think that the, the rationale for that is flawed in my personal opinion, but I'm more than sure Slick has some commentary for that. Let's bring him in. Slick, you're on. Yeah, man. What uh, you got? Bottom line, it's, it's definitely, not, I mean, pretty pictures are great. I'm, I'm loving great graphics right now. I play Street Fighter 4, well, Super Street Fighter 4 every night, and even though it's the same damn game, it looks great to me. But it's about gameplay. I'd rather have my game run at 60 frames per second, consider I spent $600 on one console and... I don't even know how much on the other because it keeps breaking. Damn 360. Um, but still, one of my favorite games of all time is still Katamari Damashi, and that shit has, like, stupid Nintendo graphics. Very true. But But the gameplay made it enjoyable. You see, that's where we go back to the argument with the Wii, where, you know, it, it's gameplay versus you know, third-party titles and, and saturation. The fact of the matter is that you don't always want the shit to look pretty. You want the game to move fluid, to move fast, to, to move good, you know? And I'd rather sacrifice the game looking a little raw and, and have the gameplay be smooth as opposed to really pretty graphics and not a smooth gameplay because that just eliminates the, the playability for people, the experience. People are going to complain, fuck, man, why did this, when did this game get so slow, or blah, 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 you know, the movements. So it's, it's, it's weird how, how they're rationalizing that and saying that they'd rather have it look better and they'd rather get more stuff on screen. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a fan, and I'll, I'll say it outright, fuck Cliffy B, but Gears of War is, it is what it is. It's, it's a, a top-selling game. People love it. But... It's a fast-paced game, especially if you're playing, like, multiplayer. How the fuck are you going to drop a game like that at 30 frames per second? There you go. Especially on multiplayer, where, where, where fast motion is key. I don't know, man. Their priorities are fucked up. That's like stripping two middle gears out of a Ferrari. That's, That's it. like stick shift. It, 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 is, it is crazy that how how it's all about the look, the look, the look, and they fail to realize that, you know, you can't polish shit. If a game plays like shit, you, it can be beautiful. It'll still be shit. 
You can't polish it. You can't make a chicken salad out of chicken shit either. It, it's unfortunate, man. I think they really need to go and rethink that shit, man, because eventually graphics aren't going to mean shit when we're gaming in 3D. <laughs> which, by the way, which, by the way, you know that graphically you, the resolution gets lower to show the 3D picture anyway. So graphics aren't going to mean shit if you're going to start gaming in 3D. Yeah, you need the you need more than sixty frames frames per second a game in three D. There you go. Because I forgot who was saying it in one of the forums, but they were saying like basically you need at least hundred and twenty frames per second because the screen splits and you gotta run both both images at sixty frames per second to properly run a game in three D. It's it's crazy, man. It's I really think that it's it's definitely flawed in my opinion, but who knows, man? We'll see what happens. We'll see how Gears of War three looks and whether the the pretty graphics make any difference, or if or if people complain about gameplay. I definitely want to see that. If I start reading people saying, "Yeah, the gameplay is kind of slow and prodding," you know, people are gonna be like, "Well, you wanted the pretty graphics, right?" My thing is, you have. I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to go into, you know, the whole console war, but you got two systems, at least, that basically have the power of a decent gaming computer. And you're talking about lowering lowering the, the production, you know, the production value to give pretty images. The, the whole point of these consoles, when they were coming out and everybody was was, you know, talking, you know, talking their own shit about why you should get this one instead of that one, was that my system can do this. My system can run beautiful images at 60 frames per second. Because ever since the, you know, basically the Nintendo 64, people have been talking about getting more frames per second. Well, you know what it is, why, dude, at the end of the... going backwards? Oh, yeah, it's crazy, but you got to remember, at the end of the day, you know, it's all about blast processing and Genesis doing what Nintendo don't. Just remember oh, that. God. That's what gaming has become. Dude, it's become, it's become a, a pissing contest. We got better graphics. Look how realistic our guys look. It's like, look, man, can I just play the game? That's all I want. And that's the thing. Nothing looks realistic in Gears of, in Gears of War. It looks great. Hell no. Doesn't doesn't look realistic though. Hell no. Well, but we all know Cliffy B is. Uh, yeah, I know. He doesn't <laughs> get it. He he forgot where he came from. So fuck him. That's right. There you go. And that's all, all I'm right, saying on that. All right, my brother. Thanks later, for calling. All right, later. All right. During Activision's earning call today, CEO Bobby Kotick said that 35 employees have left Infinity Ward since Jason West and Vince Sampella were fired in March, and he believes more will leave eventually. Since we terminated the two executives at Infinity Ward, approximately 35 others have resigned, and it is likely a few more people will leave as well, he said. Many of these people have been recruited by other studios because of how talented they are. We are obviously disappointed about this, and we wish we could have convinced some of these talented people to stay. As many as 15 of those employees have gone on to join Respawn Entertainment, formed by West and Zampella. Kodak said that Activision could not keep Weston Zampella employed in light of their alleged activity with EA. 
EA is publishing Respawn's first title. He goes on to say, the decision to terminate the two Infinity Ward executives was not done lightly, and it was not done to deprive them of their bonuses, nor is it done without a great deal of deliberation about the consequences. I personally consider the two of them friends, and their conduct was a compromise of our friendship, which is equally disappointing, which is equally disappointing he added. Once we began to understand what had occurred, there was no gray area. There was nothing to allow us to retain their services as talented as they might have been. He went on to say that Activision has already hired people to staff up Infinity Ward and has put more money into the studio. Well, Activision needs to put money into Infinity Ward considering that they have a billion-dollar franchise in Modern Warfare. And if these guys were a key to that game's success and the game's, and the game's success staggers when, with this new creative team, Activision is going to be in a whole heap of shit. But on the same token, if you are talking behind, uh, talking to a competitor behind their back, the fact of the matter is that it's, it's definitely going to bite you in the ass, and they really should. If they were going to negotiate with EA, they shouldn't have signed on with Activision. Like I, you know, two wrongs don't make a right at the end of the day, and, and somebody was going to have to burn. Now, the only thing I can hope for this is that competition becomes more prevalent and new innovations come from Respawn Entertainment being out there. Of course, them being part of EA is something I really am not too fond of just because EA churns out a lot of bullshit too. But the fact is that competition breeds creativity and if, if it takes Respawn Entertainment to make uh, Infinity Ward make better and more innovative games, then fuck it, I'm all for it. Uh, credit to IGN for that little blurb from Bobby Kotick, by the way. Also... During the Activision call, uh, Thomas Tipple, wow, an awful name, Chief Operating Officer announced that Guitar Hero and DJ Hero would be getting sequels in 2010. He said, and I quote, This fall we expected to launch Guitar Hero 6 and soon after the next DJ Hero. This year we've added more great original music, new and innovative gameplay modes, and a significantly enhanced social gameplay experience, a.k.a. probably Facebook something or other. We expect to follow each release with a full lineup of exciting downloadable content, a.k.a. we're going to stick our hands in our pocket and pull them out through the front of your stomach. Uh, Tipple added that Guitar Hero, the Guitar Hero franchise has racked up 44 million sales. Also set for a fall release are Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions, Tony Hawk Shred, and an unnamed James Bond game. So Activision is definitely going to continue milking our pockets with downloadable content and music games with songs that we have listened to 25 to 30 times already. With that said, we're going to hit these movie news right after this commercial break. You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in like really high voices like... <laughs> well, you won't listen to that on our show because uh, we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. We're broke as hell. And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So um, if you're looking for a show like that that has horrible audio quality and uh, void of fake laughter, Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights on all games. All right, we're back. Let's talk some movie news. First off, box office numbers. I really want to discuss this for a few reasons. Number one, Nightmare on Elm Street came out the winner this week. Uh, the new release grossed $32.2 million dollars. Uh, there was no budget available for the film, so I don't know how much it cost to make the movie. I don't think it was a lot. But $32 million at the start is very nice. 
How to Train Your Dragon was number two, still raking in the dough, uh, $10.8 million in its seventh week. The film has grossed $192.5 million. It had a budget of 165 profitable as all hell. Date Night held on to number three. $73.6 million is their total for four weeks. The film had a budget of 55 The Backup Plan, a.k.a. J-Lo's failed attempt to reignite her career, fell two spots to number four, grossing $7.2 million. Uh, it was 22.9 in two weeks. It had a budget of $35 million. I have a feeling it'll probably break even or be slightly successful. The Piece of Shit with Brendan Fraser, a.k.a. Furry Vengeance, was this week's other top ten debut. It came in at number five with a gross of $6.5 million. Anybody that goes to see this movie should just really... They should sit there and evaluate if they can function in society on a normal level. The fact is that movie looked like a steaming pile of shit. I like Brendan Fraser. He's a good actor. You know, he was in a lot of good movies. Um, the Mummy franchises, while, while stale, they are, you know, good movies to watch for a good laugh. And, you know, you always end up stopping when they're on and tuning in for a little bit. But Furry Vengeance, holy shit. Whoever decided to get this approved should really get their ass whooped. Because that movie looks like a steaming pile of shit. That's it. The Losers dropped to number six with $6 million. It made uh, $18.1 million in two weeks. It had a $25 million budget. Clash of the Titans dropped to number seven. It's made $154 million in five weeks. It had a budget of 125. It has been successful. Kick-Ass dropped to number eight. It earned $4.4 million. It's made $42.4 in four weeks. And the film had a budget of $30 million, so that just means that it is uh, definitely successful. Death at a Funeral a.k.a. Black Comedy number 7,776, dropped down to number nine from number seven with $4 million. It's made $34.8 million in three weeks. It had a budget of $21 million. Translation, more lackluster black comedies to continue clogging up our eyes. Death at a Funeral, of course, a quote-unquote all-star cast, was... It, you know what it is? Whenever I see just, yeah, this is Tracy Morgan, yeah, this is funny. As soon as I, say, as soon as I hear that shit, I know it's going to be terrible. Yeah, this is Tracy Morgan. You got to come look, man, when your dad fell out with his poo-poo and his dicky-doo and blah-blah. Look, man. Look. No. No. Anything involving Tracy Morgan, I like him. He's a funny dude. But as soon as I hear that voice, I just want to stab myself in the face because it's awful. I, I watched Cop Out with Bruce Willis thinking it was going to be less of that. And it's like, yeah, here's Tracy Morgan. I'm wearing my cell phone running down the street with Bruce Willis, and they're shooting at me, man, and my ass cheeks is runny, and my elbows are ashy, and blah, blah. Oh, shut the fuck up. Really? If that's it? I, and, 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 and mind you, this is me talking about a guy who I like. Tracy Morgan's a funny motherfucker. But I, I, I just can't, I can't, I can't deal with him going that route. As soon as I hear that, I'm like, I'm like, yo, what is this? It's, it's, uh, nonetheless, um, that, those are your box office totals. Because if I stay on that, I'll keep doing the, uh, the Tracy Morgan impersonation because it's, it's awful. 
Uh, Sylvester Stallone recently spoke about the future of Rambo as well as The Expendables 2, even though The Expendables 1 isn't out yet. When they asked him if he would do another Rambo film, he said, I was going to do it. I said I'd never talk about this, but I feel that with Rocky Balboa, that character was, can, came complete circle. He went home. But for Rambo to go on another adventure might be, I think, misinterpreted as a mercenary gesture and not necessary. I don't want that to happen. So as of that, with that, there may not be another Rambo. Was he happy with the final film? I am very happy with the last Burmese episode because I didn't pull any punches on it. Hell no. Rambo was violent as shit, and it was awesome. I wanted it to be what Civil War really is rough. You can't candy coat it. And where you go from there, that's where Rambo 5 was going to go. I mean, that's what Rambo 5 did. The fa- I mean, fuck, I fucked that up. He wanted Rambo 5 to go in that direction to be raw and gritty. Obviously, he's not going to do it. But um, the fact of the matter is, before I go further into what he said, um, if you haven't watched Rambo, I definitely recommend you do. Just because it's such a... Their, their depiction of what was going on in Burma was just so realistic. Like, people just getting murdered for no reason. And just the savagery was, was, was crazy. It was, it was so realistic for an action flick that I actually thought I was watching something like The Pacific or something like Saving Private Ryan because it really showed how gritty war can be. So if you haven't seen Rambo... Even if it's as a rental, definitely check it out. Not so much because of the story, because the story is okay at best, or I'd even say moderately good, but just to see the raw viciousness of the conflict that was going on down there. It was, it was very well done, and I've got to give Stallone credit for that. He, he said what, um, they asked him about the Expendables, and he said we're very serious, and we're already working on the Expendables sequel. So after watching the Expendables, you can get ready for Expendables 2. Moving on, a uh, little bit of Marvel news, because, you know, there wouldn't be a movie segment without some Marvel comic stuff. Uh, Marvel Studios is considering a larger role for Bucky. Bucky, of course, is Captain America's sidekick, who will be appearing in Captain America First Avenger. Sebastian Stan will be taking the role. In the original story, for those of you that don't know, Bucky was killed during World War II and was later resurrected as, Soviet sl- as a Soviet sleeper agent codenamed the Winter Soldier. Later on, the Winter Soldier ended up becoming Captain America after Steve Rogers was killed. Um, reports are saying that the plot for the first Captain America movie will allow for Bucky to return as the Winter Soldier if and when there is a sequel. The sources claim that Bucky will appear to be killed, but will in fact be seriously injured, paving the way for him to return with a cybernetic arm, much like his comic book counterpart. The script is still being written, cautions the report, so the plan for Bucky could change at any time. The fact of the matter is, though, that Bucky was a teenager in the comics, and Sebastian Stan is 26. I don't know how they want to do that, but definitely something worth noting. And it was also revealed that Sebastian Stan uh, signed on for a multi-film deal with Marvel, so we may get to see the Winter Soldier in the near future. I personally think that if they are going this route, it's really good that they are, just because they're staying true to the book. They're not muddying up the waters. And at the end of the day, Bucky does get quote-unquote killed, so that is going to happen, and it, and it keeps comic continuity. I don't know if people are going to want to see a movie about the Winter Soldier, but definitely cool that they are thinking that far ahead for sure. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street, of course, with their $32.2 million opening, uh, made Warner New Line already commit to doing a sequel in 3D. You didn't hear that, did you? 3D. Yeah, 3D. Nightmare on Elm Street sequel? 3D. 
when they asked about Warner, when when asked about a Warner distribution, President Dan Feldman had the following to say: We don't have a story yet, but this is the largest horror opening in the May in the April May corridor, and it just proved that there's a lot left in the franchise. Yeah, it it really is just just ridiculous that it's like yeah, the movie made thirty two point two million dollars. We're gonna make a sequel. Did you guys plan on making a sequel? No, but yeah, we'll do it, and it'll be in three D. Uh, Marvel Studios also announced that Hugo Weaving has been cast as Johann Schmidt, a.k.a. the Red Skull in Captain America, so he will be joining Chris Evans in that, as well as Sebastian Stan, so props for that. Now, here's a, a tidbit of information that I know a lot of you guys are going to really bug out on, and it may actually get a phone call or two out of you. Believe it or not, and you guys won't believe this, the newest version of Alice in Wonderland is officially the 10th highest grossing movie ever, surpassing Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. So take that into consideration for a second. Alice in Wonderland, which was not that great, made $928.9 million and surpassed Lord of the Rings. The reasoning for that is because of the IMAX and the 3D, which allows you to charge more money. That's one of the reasons why studios are jumping all over themselves to put everything out in 3D. The revenue is a lot more. As soon as those two little magic letters, well, that number-letter combination pop up, you know that you're going to pay at least $15 to see it, period. So it's ridiculous that Lord of the Rings, which is a fantastic franchise from start to finish, and the Two Towers being one of, one, of the, one of the standouts in that franchise, got surpassed by a 3D rabbit and Johnny Depp playing the same guy he's always played, but with purple hair and a big hat. It's, it's really crazy. In other news, and a little bit of Transformer news, Patrick Dempsey from Grey's Anatomy has been cast in Transformers 3. He will be playing the part of Megan Fox's boss and they're saying that his role is going to be significant to the plot. It is also being reported that Jamie Kennedy, who sucks, has auditioned for this film is also, but his publicist said that at this time, Jamie is in no way attached to the film, and I hope that he's not. Jamie Kennedy is a hack. The only thing he's good at is getting killed and scream. period. 20th Century Fox has taken the opportunity to announce the release date of June 3, 2011 for X-Men First Class to go along with the announcement that Matthew Vaughn, the director from Kick-Ass, will be directing X-Men First Class. Brian Singer will be producing. He was originally attached to direct the project, but he had committed to direct Jack the Giant Killer, so Matthew Vaughn from Kick-Ass will be taking the reins to bring to life X-Men First Class. The film is going to focus on the time when Professor Xavier and Magneto were still friends, and they were learning to discover their powers for the first time. It's also going to show that they're working with other young mutants to stop a global threat. That's the general plot synopsis for the movie. I definitely think that Matthew Vaughn did a really great job with Kick-Ass, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this particular franchise because you're going backwards, and I don't know how they're going to do it per se in terms of um, conveying uh, Professor X and Magneto's origins in, you know, 90 minutes to two hours, because of the fact of the matter is you can explain their origin in 15 minutes, maybe less if you cut out a lot of bullshit. So we'll see how it goes, but Matthew Vaughn being involved gives me a little hope that it's going to be semi-decent. Um, moving on, 
Uh, it's being reported that Skip Woods, who created, who directed Hitman, X-Men Origins, Wolverine, and the A-Team, is currently negotiating with, 20, with 20th Century Fox to write the script for the next Die Hard movie. Yeah, another Die Hard. Uh, the, the Live Free or Die Hard was made with a $110 million budget, and it went on to make $383.5 million worldwide. Of course, it's expected that Bruce Willis will be shooting, uh, will be shooting this role, as always, but as of right now, Bruce Willis is involved with shooting Kane and Lynch. So if another Die Hard is going to get made, they're going to have to wait till after Kane and Lynch wraps up. I definitely want to know who's going to be playing uh, alongside Bruce, Bruce Willis in the Kane and Lynch movie. Originally, there was a rumor that it was Jamie Foxx. I hope that's not the case, and they stick to how they look in the game. Personally, I'd like Bruce Willis and Billy Bob Thornton. Those would be my casting picks to do Kane and Lynch, but... Who knows? They may just make it like a tranny with Bruce Willis, and that'll be it. Um, according to Variety also, they are churning out another Ice Age movie. Ice Age movie Continental Drift is set for July 13, 2012, right, right in between the Spider-Man reboot and Batman 3. The Ice Age franchise has, of course, been very successful, with each film doing financially better than the previous. The first Ice Age made $383 million in 2002. Ice Age Meltdown made $655.4 million in 2006. And Dawn of the Dinosaurs made $884.8 million in 2008. I guarantee you Ice Age Continental Drift will be in 3D, period. Also, you guys remember that last week I discussed some of the movies that are going to be coming out based on Marvel's second and third tier characters. One of those that's been getting a lot of speculation as of late is going to be Luke Cage. According to the LA Times, Luke Cage may be the next Marvel character to get a movie. Uh, the title reports, the Times reports that the urban hero will be getting a film and that a notable Hollywood star is now having very preliminary talks about taking on the role. Originally, a while back, I'd say about a year or two ago, it was rumored that John Singleton was involved to direct and Tyrese was going to play Luke Cage. Nonetheless, none of that applies right now, but I think that Tyrese would do fairly well as, as Luke Cage, honestly. I think him or, if you want to go may, maybe a little deeper, I would even go Michael Jai White, just because you know you want that kind of smooth, suave, gritty dude but you also want a dude that can whoop people's asses. And I think that Michael Jai White would make a really good Luke Cage for sure. Um, definitely interesting. Uh, Variety, of course, reports also via IGN that the Planet of the Apes reboot, previously called Caesar, is now called Rise of the Apes and will be coming out June 24, 2011. Um, Rupert Wyatt, who did The Escapist, is going to be directing it. And they're saying that Rise of the Apes is an origin story set in present-day San Francisco. The film is a reality-based cautionary tale where man's own experiments with genetic engineering lead to the development of an intelligence within apes and the onset of the war for supremacy. So with that being said, not too much crazy shit this week that uh, was totally rage-worthy. Nonetheless, um, it pains me to say that that's actually the show for this week. But... I do want to say a couple of things before I get into the plugs. Uh, stay tuned after the show, after I wrap up the show. Um, I got an email from a band called Epic NES. You can look for them on MySpace. It's uh, myspace.com slash Epic NES Band. And uh, they actually were, are pretty good. They're similar to the mini bosses, and they do, um, 
video game music and actually uh, sent me some of their music to play um, over the coming episodes. I really liked what I heard, and I will be playing one of their tracks um, right after I wrap up. So definitely stick around and check it out, see, what, see if you like what they have to offer. And look them up on myspace.com slash epicnesband. Let them know you heard it on My Take Radio if you liked it, if you didn't like it, or if you want to know about any of their upcoming projects. Check them out. It's actually cool because they actually contacted me, and I did not contact them. So pretty cool that um, MTR is actually getting out there and getting some more exposure. Nonetheless, I want to just run through uh, my plugs as always. Shout out to RazorClothing.tv, which is Razor Rob's clothing company. GoCreedGo.com is Consequences Creed's website. GiantSparrow.com is Max Geiger's upcoming video game project. You can get information on and check the development at GiantSparrow.com. Uh, shout out to Dr. Armand Dorian and his Drink Docs Vitamin Water with Reservatol, which you should definitely check out. Um, you can get more information on DrinkDocs.com. Shout out to the Girl Gamer crew. Um, I know Joy is in the chat. Uh, GirlGamer.com, of course, is the uh, gaming website from the female perspective, but don't let the name fool you. Um, there's a lot of smart and intelligent women there that know how to talk about games just as well as the guys that pee standing up. So definitely head over to GirlGamer.com, check them out. Uh, check out some of their articles. Feel free to comment on some of the stuff they have to say. Um, again, don't let the name fool you, even though it's GirlGamer.com and people... Um, have made comments about uh, gaming being fractioned between hardcore and softcore gamers, male and female gamers. The fact of the matter is that gaming is a pastime to be enjoyed by all sexes, races, and colors. Uh, the fact of the matter is that anybody that is using that sort of narrow thinking should definitely expand their horizons and check it out. Even though it is a female-friendly site, I went over there and I checked it out, and there's definitely a lot of intelligent talk over there as well, especially about my favorite subject, games. So, you know, not a, this is not a shameless plug. Definitely just give them a shot, see what they have to offer. If it's not your cup of tea, fuck it. If it is, hey, stop by, say you heard about them on My Take Radio, and give them a little love. Uh, MMAGospel.com, of course, uh, the Reverend Turk and Gary, they have a show on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. on the Blog Talk Radio Network. They were members of our fight panel a couple of weeks back. Uh, great show. They get some really awesome guests. They bring you the truest representation of MMA. They go after the fighters, the columnists, uh, the writers. They, they really go in deep, and I've got to give them credit uh, for stopping into our show and giving us a little taste of their knowledge. So definitely MMAGospel.com. You can go there or blogtalkradio.com slash MMAGospel Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Shout out to MMA Valor, who is probably in the chat room, head over to his site, MMAValor.com. You can also check out his store, which has a lot of great shirts and clothing from upcoming designers um, that are definitely MMA-centric, but the designs are cool and unique. If you get a chance, stop by if you're an MMA fan and head over to the forums or join the chat when he puts the chats up on Twitter or on his site and just show your support. MMAHotStuff.com, of course, for... Uh, supporting the show, and Rachel's other project, MMASocialites.com, Darksiders.com, self-explanatory, um, Hayden Dalton, you can check his site at HaydenDalton.wordpress.com, the crew at VGN Radio, I love you guys, you guys rock, Don Anderson, Tumbling with Tumbleweed, Tuesdays, 10 p.m. on the Blog Talk Radio Network, uh, 
bead crafts by them, head over to royaltresses.etsy.com. Cleveland Sports Radio, part of the VGN Network. Got to get a shout-out, Born Stubborn Radio as well, for all their great um, commentary. And not only that, their kick-ass commercials. Also, one of the hosts from Born Stubborn Radio helped design the My Take Radio business card, which you will be seeing mock-ups within the next two weeks. Um, My Take Radio will be going to the New York Comic Con in October, and we may actually be going as a member of the press. So definitely keep your ears tuned for that, as well as the website um, for reference and developments regarding that stuff. So My Take Radio will be a presence at the New York Comic Con, whether as press or as fans remains to be seen, but definitely something to look forward to in the future. 411mania.com, of course, shout out to those guys. OCRemix.org for their kick-ass music. Um, Filmdrunk.com for all their kick-ass fucking shit-talking movie diatribe that they go on and how they shit on Hollywood, as a matter of fact. Uh, Lance from Film Drunk will be my guest next week, and we will continue to shit on Hollywood just as much as I shit on Hollywood by myself every week. That's pretty much it, folks. This is My Take Radio, episode 41, for Thursday, May 6, 2010. It's my brother's birthday. Happy birthday, Joe. Um... As always, you can email me direct at mtrhost at gmail.com. You can follow me at Twitter, twitter.com slash akuma25, or twitter.com slash mytakeradio. If you're on MySpace, hit us up, myspace.com slash mytakeradio, and Facebook, Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash mytakeradio. With that, we are going to let Epic NES take us out with their Castlevania theme. Thank you all for listening. Thank you guys for calling, and thanks for the support. I'll catch you guys later. Peace.